on this episode of TR Talk. I don't want to look back on my life 10 years from now and be like, man, it was a great opportunity, but I never reached my potential. I want to know that, hey, I gave it the best shot I could to reach my full potential in X, Y, and Z. And that's, that's what motivates me every day. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the TR Talk podcast where we help millennials to fast track their personal development and kick ass. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alamo, and I'm here with a really exciting interview today with Jason Kalipa. Uh, anyone who is anywhere near the CrossFit world definitely knows who Jason is, but if you're not familiar, Jason is what I would refer to as one of the godfathers of CrossFit. He won the world championship for the CrossFit Games in 2008. He is now an entrepreneur and owns over 20 gyms around the world at NC Fit. He's a family man, and he talks a little bit about you know his wife, and he has two kids. His daughter, Ava, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia at the beginning of 2016, and she is at the very late stages of conquering that disease and you know, he's pumped up about that, rightfully so. And this is a great interview uh, where Jason got into his AMRAP mentality. And he'll dive into that a little bit. But it's all about being present and being focused at what the task is at hand, not letting your mind wander and being present. Uh, he talks about, you know, one of the toughest workouts that he's ever done. Uh, you know, one tip that he would give to someone that's looking to start their fitness journey. Um and just all about you know hard work, the mentality that he has, and it's really a great conversation for anyone interested in fitness, in business, in family life. Jason really seems to to balance those things really well. Want to give a quick shout out to the TR Talk fan of the week, Casey Yacht from Chicago, Illinois, and Zinesville, Indiana. Thank you so much for the support, my man. Appreciate it. Keep doing your thing out there. Uh, out in the Midwest. If you would like to be like Casey and support the TR Talk podcast, there's a few things that you can do. Wherever you're listening to this, you can subscribe, give a five-star review, and tell a friend about us. You know, either tell them, share it out on social media. Anything counts. Anything helps. I put a lot of time into this. I work a full-time job. This is done on the side, late nights, early mornings, weekends. This is being done on a late, late night right now, putting the final pizzas together on this interview. So any love you can spread on that. You can also go to TomAlamo.com for the full show notes, for my blog, for my newsletter, um, and everything that Jason talks about will be in there. And please, please, please check him out on social media. Check him out on Instagram, on YouTube. Um, and check out his daughter Ava's causes too, and we get to some of that, but all the links will be in the show notes. So without further ado, I will stop talking, and I'm going to pass the mic over to my interview with Jason Kalipa. Take care. All right, Jason Kalipa, welcome to the episode of TR Talk. How you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Um pumped to do this one and so let's let's kick this thing off and, and get right into it. I mean, one of the most impressive things I know about um you know, your message and, and what you put across is 
what you would call your AMRAP mentality. I think it's really powerful, and I'd love to start there. If maybe you can explain for the folks that aren't aware of what an AMRAP is, and then how that how you kind of related that to all areas of your life. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, AMRAP mentality is really an overarching theme that I try and incorporate in my life on a daily basis. And really, what it is is it was founded by necessity. What was happening was, you know, I had opened. Uh, well, I had a girlfriend at the time. And then we got, she became my fiance and I met her when we were 14 and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're growing together and I, I end up um, proposing to her and I end up competing in the CrossFit games at the same time. I won the CrossFit games and then I opened up a business. So I started to ask myself early on, like, man, how do I, you know, be the best husband or fiance I could be? How do I build this business up? And then how do I, you know, continue to win the CrossFit games? And so over time through life, you know, we had a child. I started asking myself, man, how do I become the best father I could be? How do I do all these things? How do I balance these different priorities in my life? And I'm sure a lot of people have asked themselves that same question. And ultimately what it came down to, I was, I was one day I was, I was working out and I was thinking to myself, man, when I work out, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm just hitting it hard. I'm doing my thing. Imagine if I took each part of my life and I just segmented it that way. Imagine how productive I could be. And that's really where the AMRAP mentality came around, which is just being present and focused on one thing. AMRAP means as many rounds as possible. And when you're doing one, that's all you're doing. You're not answering your phone. You're not doing anything else. You're just present and focused on what you're doing. And so I took that philosophy and I incorporated it to work. So when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I'm, with, I'm at home with the kids. And by doing so and segmenting out my day, it allowed me to be more productive in the time I was allotting to each different thing compared to getting halfway through of an email and then getting distracted by something else. And then you know, being with my family, but being on social media, whatever it may be. By segmenting it out, it's made a huge difference. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing the message with more people. Um, we'll have a book that'll be coming out in the next couple of months I'm really excited about. That's awesome. And yeah, I think that's, it's a really important message. And it's, it's, it's great, but it's tough to implement, right? When you're, oh, yeah. you see people at dinner with, their phones out or I, I struggle with the same thing of just being able to focus. Like if I'm, if I'm supposed to be emailing and something pops up or whatever it may be. So um, do you find yourself having to, to, to kind of catch yourself or do you set up like your, like a calendar like, Hey, at this time I'm going to yeah. only do this or how do you schedule that? Yeah. I mean, I would be lying to you if I told you I'm perfect, right? No one is, um, you know, but my wife and I make an active focus on doing so. Like, Meaning, as long as you're just aware of it, I think you're already making strides in the right direction. You know, last night I went out to dinner with my wife for Valentine's Day. You know, take your phone, yeah. put them away, you know? I mean, um, there was a time where I would have my phone out when my daughter was, you know, very early on with her um, leukemia diagnosis. But now things are becoming a little bit more calm. And so I can kind of put the phone on, vibrate, and, you know, focus on what I need to focus on, which is having a good dinner with my wife. And that same thing applies to working out and being at work. And, I think the, the answer to what you're talking about is just being aware of it makes a huge difference. Just being aware enough to say, hey, I'm taking this woman out to dinner or, or guy or whatever it is. Let me be present and focus with them and put the phone away. And then if you end up having to pull the phone out because something's going on, that's fine. Just be aware that you probably shouldn't have it out forever, right? Or if you're at work yep. and you get distracted by social media, that's fine. No big deal. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just be aware of it. In, in, in a, and I think by just being aware of it enough, then you start realizing how much time you're actually spending being distracted and not being on the one central mission that you're on for that particular time. 
And so the way I like to do it is I don't necessarily segment it as regimented as schedule, but a little bit. So like in the morning, the first thing I like to do is get in my garage and get on the spin bike. It's a nice time for me to kind of charge up for the rest of the day. After that, see the kids and then move on to, to business. And then when I get home, every night my wife makes dinner roughly around like six o'clock. And so it's a nice way for me just to switch gears to being with the family. Yesterday I was in Cabo, Mexico, because we have a gym out there. The day before I was in um, Laguna Beach. And the day before I was in Long Beach. And, you know, I wasn't with the kids on any of those trips. And so what I had to say to myself is, hey, um, you know, I haven't done a phenomenal job of being a present and focused father. Let me go ahead and shift some time and make sure I do that, uh, you know, today when I get home early. And so each day I try and analyze how do I do as an athlete? How do I do as a, um, you know, a father, a husband, and then as a business owner? And if I feel like it's shifted too much in one direction, I'll try and refocus it for the next couple of days. And is that something you do mentally or do you like write it down and keep like a journal of it? It's all mental for me. I mean, I try and write stuff down, but I have really terrible, um, I have bad attention span. I, I am generally, I lack like a structure in my, like I, I lack structure in terms of like, I don't want to have like formal meetings throughout the duration of the day, but I've had to fight against that. Meaning like I've had to really work hard to set up formal times where I'm doing things because again, it allows me to be more present and focused. And so uh, traditionally I haven't written it down, but that's something I'm, I'm working on consistently because before what I would just do is just remind myself mentally, but now I'm starting to actually write it down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what I would assume is that it's probably helped to limit the stress when you're, when you're focused on one task. Cause that's something that, that I struggle with is, you know, I'm an ambitious guy and I want to get a lot done in a day. I don't want to waste time. And there's so many tasks to get done, but it ends up sometimes where it's like three hours have gone by and I've half done or half did four tasks. So I didn't really get anything done. So like, were you getting, do you think this has helped you with like getting overwhelmed? Cause you have, a, you, you have a lot going on obviously. Um, so does it help to reduce some of your stress or anxiety or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, writing down what you want to get done that day is important, but also just segmenting it out. I mean, I think segmenting out yeah. alone and just being aware of it has helped me tremendously. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. And and I think it, it transitions a little bit to a quote. I think you put this on Instagram or, or somewhere recently where um, you had a, a thought of like when you're working out and, and maybe it relates to the rest of life you think move fast, but breathe slow. What do you, what do you mean yeah. by that? And, and, I mean, the, the theory is, is that you're moving fast, you're breathing slow. And, and I know that sounds weird, but it was right before one of my big competitions one time. And my coach just looks at me, he's like, hey man, move fast. And at the time I didn't quite get it. I was like, what the hell is this dude talking about? But after more reflection, I started realizing what he meant was move fast, move with purpose, you know, win, but make sure you keep your heart rate under control. Make sure you're staying calm and focused, right? Make sure you're staying, um, make sure you're not moving fast at the expense of being out of control is a good way to put it. So to, to relate that to like life, it's like, you know, move with purpose, move with speed, get things done, but don't move so fast that you, um, you know, do a crappy job or that you, if that makes sense, right? It, it, it's moving with purpose, moving with speed, but also moving with control. That's what it is. Yeah. And maybe it also kind of cues up like the need for patience too. Like you're moving fast every day. You're trying to get as much done, but 
you know, it, some of these things take a long time. Building out a business takes a long time or building up yourself to become an elite athlete. You can't do that overnight. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, you know, that particular quote really pertains to like, you know, think about it like swimming. You know, you want to move fast. You need to keep your heart rate under control. You need to breathe slow, like, you know, controlled breathing, but moving with purpose. And, and, and I mean, equating that to life is, is, a, is a bigger picture where it's like, you know, I, um, who was it? It wasn't Jeff Bezos. It was one of these CEOs recently put out like that, you know, things don't happen overnight. And I think sometimes people are always infatuated by this get rich quick scheme and things like that. But, you know, you're, you're pretty much putting in work today. You're going to reap the benefit of years from now. And I think sometimes people want things tomorrow. It doesn't happen that way in anything really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I think that is something that generally speaking, um, people of the younger generation of my generation struggle with is the patience. It's, it's the need for instant gratification and it's the need to, to get things immediately, um, which obviously isn't how life typically works, or at least not the important things. To switch gears a little bit, you know, one thing that, you know, I was, I was listening, we were talking about this before, I was listening to a lot of your, your podcasts and videos and stuff before this, and one thing that you kept bringing up when you were talking about your business of, of NC Fit and you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about that and, and how you've grown, but it's, you talked a lot about having a competitive advantage um, and making sure that you have that before you go into business or before you take a certain leap. Um, so I'm curious, what do you think you as a person, your competitive advantage is against um, someone else or against, you know, your past self? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in, in, in fitness related in competition, you know, I was willing to put in the work, um, which translates over to the, to the sport of business really well, is that, you know, we need to ask ourselves, hey, are we a subject material expert in what we're doing, which is functional fitness? And I think the answer is yes. And then once you're a subject material expert, then the next question becomes, well, then are you willing to put in the work, the sacrifice to get to where you want to be, right, is the next question. And I think the answer for me is absolutely. Um, you know, I sat down with my wife not that long ago and I said, hey, are you prepared to, you know, I want to take this thing to the next level. Are you prepared to make the sacrifice to get to where we want to be to really reach our full potential? And she said, absolutely. And that's it. You know, and so I think the competitive advantage is, are you an expert in what you're doing, right? Or do you have experts on your team? And the second question is, are you prepared to make the sacrifice in some area to pursue that? And for me, it was an easy yes, because I don't want to look back on my life 10 years now and be like, man, it was a great opportunity. I never reached my potential. I want to know that, hey, I gave it the best shot I could to reach my full potential in X, Y, and Z. And that's, that's what motivates me every day. Would you say that's your, that's your why, reaching your full potential? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. For sure. And, 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 and that goes for everything, right? But that's just, you know, whether you call it God-given talent in sense of fitness or, you know, physical capabilities or whether you talk about it in terms of whatever it may be, I just don't want to reflect back and be like, man, uh, we were we were we were so close to reaching our full potential. But I don't know if we ever really got there. Man, I wonder what it could have been. You know? Yeah. And so is that what? I mean, you are you're an ambitious guy. I mean, it, it, if I'm not mistaken, you launched your gym and won the 08 games, and that was all somewhere in the same year of when you graduated college. So you you started on the entrepreneurship same month. really early. The same month. Yeah, oh, same month. Yeah, so, I graduated what, college in 2008, and then yep. 
I graduated in like, I want to say like June, July um, from Santa Cruz University. And then I opened up the business the same, pretty much the same month. And then I won the CrossFit Games pretty much the same month, all in that month of like July, August timeframe. What gave you the confidence to open up the business coming straight out of school? Um, I think it was just the idea that I had earned the confidence from hard work, meaning I had earned the confidence to open up a business um, through mentors um, that I met with almost every night. You know, I worked full time all throughout college and that, that gave me the confidence to go out there and do it on my own and also just follow my passion. And obviously the support of my friends and family was huge, but it was just the fact I could sit back and be like, Hey, I do believe I have what it takes because of X, Y, and Z. And I think that's really important for people to know before you get into business is, you know, is it perceived confidence or earned confidence? You know, are you going into it just telling yourself you're going to do it well, or do you, have you actually had the backup and the, the work to back that up? It, and did you, I know you had some sales positions when you were earlier in your, in your career throughout high school and throughout college, but were you, did you have an entrepreneurial type of spirit before this or was it more so, Hey, I see an opportunity here to match my passion with what I'm good at and what I, what I think I've earned the, the right to do. Um, or yeah. were you always as a kid kind of thinking about that type of stuff? I mean, I've always been entrepreneurial motivated primarily in the, in the beginning by money and the idea of that the work that I put in gave me some type of result. You know, like in college, I used to wait in line like at 5 a.m. for Nintendo Wii's because they were a hot commodity. I would sell them on Craigslist for, for money. I like the idea that if I put in the work, I got the reward. Um, started a clothing company. I like the idea if I put in the work, um, you would get the reward. Now, that didn't go very well, but these are both examples of entrepreneurial spirit, this concept of, you know, let's go out there, let's try something. It might work, it might not, but at least we try, you know? At least we're going out there and trying to elevate what we're doing. That really inspires yeah. me. And were there moments early on in NC Fit where you maybe questioned whether that was the right move or, or certain struggles early on that really kind of test your, your will? I don't know if I would say early on. I mean, over the years now, we've been open about 10 years. We've opened, you know, close to 20 locations. And I think we've learned a lot over the years specifically about managing staff and making them feel like they have trajectory, things like that. And there's some regrets that I have in that for sure. Um, but I, I don't think anything I could have done, you know, aside from just going through it would have prepared me like it did, you know, because I try and listen to mentors as much as I can. I try and actively be out and about listening to people who have done what I'm doing or, or have done something different, but in a, in a different you know, who, have, who are where I want to get to and just listening and hearing um, what they've learned from their experiences. And I think by doing that, they help you make, help you from making a lot of mistakes. So are these mentors that you have come across in some of your former jobs or just throughout the community? Or I'd love to dig in on that for a bit, because I think that's a really important piece of, for anyone that, that they can kind of step into. Yeah, I mean, in high school, I got introduced to two gentlemen, Min and Joe, um, one owned the gym, one was a hen salesman. I learned so much from them about sales and marketing. And I used to get on the elliptical almost every night with the owner and understand more about the business of fitness. And then as I grew and I got to college, you know, my father-in-law is a very successful businessman. Um, you know, my dad is, has done a lot in the business world. And, you know, just having good people around me and, um, you know, those to elevate me. And then after, obviously, after I started my business, we've ran into many more people and um, just listening, right? Trying to listen to what other people are doing and understand, you know, in the last six weeks, 
I've been on the phone with 250 different gym owners just trying to understand where is the market and where can we take it, you know? Wow. That's, that's hustling right there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like I set up 250, 10 to 20 minute calls um, or more with these owners and I share knowledge for sure, but I also learn, right? I want to know, Hey, how's your business going? What have you seen successful? And if, unless we do that, then, I mean, if I can learn from someone else's mistake, whew, I'll, I'll try and do it anytime I can. Yeah. And it, but it's, I think the important distinction to make is that throughout all of these examples, it, there, there wasn't a moment where you went up to the gym owner or you're going to these other people you're connecting with now and saying, Hey, will you be my mentor? Hey, will you, will, will you take on this made up role of being my mentor? It was, it seemed like it was more so you had an interest in what, you know, the knowledge that they had and you asked questions and you showed interest and you, and you're clearly providing value to them too. And you just have a willingness to learn and kind of take it in as a sponge. Would, would you say that's about right? Yeah. I mean, take Lewis house. You know, I reached out to him on social media and said, Hey man, I've seen what you've done. I'm really inspired by it. I'd love to come down and just, and just hear how you've done what you're doing. That's it. I don't want anything from you. I don't want, I want nothing, right? I just want to hear how you did it so I can learn. And that same thing applies for Gary Vee. I'm going out to see Gary Vee next week in New York. And all I'm, all I want to do is I want to understand, Hey, what, what have you learned over the years? And I just want to listen and, um, not ask for anything. I mean, I'm not asking for anything. Wow. And so that, yeah, you clearly have a, a big uptick in some of the, the content you're putting out and being more social, I think in the last few years, is that something you learned, help learn in part from Lewis or just yeah, I mean, I in think, general? I think in general, you see the, the, you see how social media has started to grow. You see what it's doing to reach and connect with people. And I think if you're not on it in some way, that's a problem. And, you know, so for us, we're now looking to amplify that, start doing YouTube, start doing other stuff to amplify the message and, and get it out to more people. Because with the audience, it then creates opportunities, such as, you know, my wife's Ava's Kitchen, you know, it's already raised 150 grand. It's a one day event and it hasn't even happened yet. Right. So when that event goes down, the reason why we have so many people doing it is, you know, social media has, has played a role in making an impact on kids' lives for pediatric cancer. And so you know, that's one example of how it benefits. Obviously, there's a ton of others. Yeah, and maybe just since you mentioned it, maybe we can, you can give some more details around Ava's Kitchen for those that may not be as familiar with your journey and, and with her story and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, so my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in January of 2016. She finished his treatment on March 29th, so about, what, months from now, or a month and a half, and that's a, it's, it's you know, it's the, she just got her port taken out, which was the best day, um, you know, second to maybe my children being born and probably that's about it, um, was probably the best day of our lives. Um, you know, she gets that's her incredible. last in hospital. Yeah. She gets her last in hospital chemo on March 5th, which is going to be a huge, huge, huge deal. And then her last pill of chemo happens on March 29th. And that's going to be, uh, you know, I, I don't even know. I, I'd probably place that as probably the biggest, biggest day of our lives. And um, my wife has been really inspired and so have I to raise money to help other families fighting pediatric cancer. And so she does an event called Ava's Kitchen with a chef called Michael Mina. And last year she raised 204000 um, And this year I think she's on track to do a little bit more than that, which is really exciting. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's, 
So for everyone checking out, we'll we'll put all of these links too in the show notes, just so everyone um, can check out all these these different causes and and the business and everything like that. But I know that was an that's an important piece, and I think it goes back to what we first talked about with the AMRAP mentality, where that's a huge you know has been a you know a, a monumental part of your life the last two or so years, and so the the ability to I think reevaluate what the priorities are and put the focus where it needs to be, which was, you know, seems to be the family, then the business. And then thirdly, you know, is the fitness level. Um, but just being able to reevaluate that and prioritize and, and get it done. Absolutely. 100%. And so, you know, uh, helping families give them memories, um, and, and providing some type of care for them while they're going through pediatric cancer is going to be a forever focus of my family and I forever. Um, you know, we've been blessed in many ways to have the financial stability, but other families don't. And we want to provide tools to help families. And um, there's many things we do with the money and we're, we're extremely inspired to continue to do more things. And um, it's just the beginning. You know, we host um, the Bay Area's um, second largest blood drive. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of um, Be The Match um, Bone Marrow. Uh, just cotton swab to see if you're a match. Um, donating blood is obviously critical. And then raising money and awareness for pediatric cancer is very important to our family right now. And it will be forever. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing that you've helped on a similar tone, I, there seems to just be an underlying theme that with whatever you're doing, it seems to be that you're, you're, you have a focus on helping the greater cause. And I think part of that also relates to some of like the corporate wellness stuff that you've done. And yeah, I'd love for you to talk about that. Maybe any stories of, you know, maybe talk about the foundation of, of how that started, but then stories of maybe people that, you know, health and, and fitness was nowhere on their radar. They might've been, um, you know, really ill or, or, you know, prone to be ill and, and how the program may, may have helped them out. Yeah, I mean, so Western Digital is our biggest partner. We have locations then globally. We have other partners, but Western Digital is one that has really reinvented the landscape of corporate wellness. I mean, they have functional fitness group style training globally for their employees. And we've had story after story after story of people, you know, I'll share with you too. I mean, you know, you have one guy who comes in and I just walked up and I was like, hey, my name is Jason. He's like, my name is, for the, name, for the sake of this argument, Bob. And I'm like, hey, Bob. I'd like to meet you tomorrow and just introduce you to our program. Sure enough, he comes in the next day and he was with us. He's been with us ever since. He lost 150 pounds in, I want to say, like a year and a half. And he's kept it off. And it's just changed his life. It's changed his way he walks around work. His, it changed his mindset. It's changed his demeanor. He's, he's a better husband, father. He has more energy. And he's an example of someone that would have never have potentially done that had it not been readily available on his corporate site, right? Um, another example of that is there was these two guys, and I used to see them all the time, and it was interesting. They were really good friends. So I walked up to one day. I was like, hey, how did you guys meet? And they said, well, we met, you know, through your program. I was like, that's interesting. I was like, it seems like you guys have known each other forever. They're like, well, we used to see each other in the gym every day for 20 years. We would see each other in the gym, never <laughs> talk to each other, right? Never talk to each other because it was just awkward. Now, all of a sudden, because you offer this program, we got partnered up one day, and we've been best friends ever since. And it's like, man, that's so crazy, you know? Because in the traditional gym, it's kind of frowned upon to talk to people. But in the functional fitness space, in the group style training, you partner up, you get to know people, 
And that's where I think corporate wellness is really changing the game right now is connecting, connecting employees and getting them more fit for life. Wow. That's incredible. And, and how did that, how did that all originate your relationship either with Western digital or whoever your first partner was? You just kind of saw that as an outlet and, and tried to use that as a way to kind of build up your, your repertoire or how'd that work? Yeah. I mean, the, the best way to describe it is basically, you know, I started realizing, man, a lot of, a lot of relationships are fostered in the gym. Imagine we could bring that to the corporate space. What could that do for productivity? What could that do for, you know, all these different things? I mean, just last week alone, we had two of our coaches actually get engaged to two of our members. And the reason why I bring that up is that that's the type of connections that are being fostered because generally these people are exercising. They have certain things in mind or they, they have certain things, you know, in common. And all of a sudden they create these bonds. And what you see is you have someone in accounting who gets an email from legal. They don't know who this person is. So they just kind of let it sit there for, you know, a day or two before they reply. Now, all of a sudden they see each other in the gym. It's like, hey, guy, you know, it's like, hey, Bob, I'm going to shoot you an email later. Do you mind just getting it done real quick? And it takes the guy 10 seconds. But now that he has that personal connection, he gets it done quicker. And that's what we've seen happen time and time again. Communities, uh, you know, it's just fostered this sense of culture and community in a company that no other fitness program I've seen can do. Yeah, well, I think that's, that's huge. And that speaks a lot of volumes as a company and as a whole. I mean, that can change the culture of an entire company if people are working more fluidly together and, you know, are helping each other out and are more positive. And all of a sudden, you know, you've escalated how great of a place it is to work. And then there's more, you know, business being driven from there. So I think it's just a small step that can lead to really great effects at a company and is the well-being of everyone that works there. I think that's huge. True. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a good differentiator, right? I mean, out here in the Bay Area, you have Google, Facebook, Twitter, you know, you have all these different companies. And so the question becomes, how do you differentiate your company from another while offering this kind of group style, super service oriented, really like touch point programming is a phenomenal way to keep member, keep employees engaged and have them feel a sense of culture and community with what you're providing. Whereas, you know, free food is cool, but a lot of people could offer free food. Whereas if you now start connecting them with other employees or their boss and they have a better relationship, that could keep them there for longer. Yeah, that's true. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, um, the the free cookies or the free sandwiches at lunch or whatever it is can only take you so far um, until you're kind of sick of that. So I think that's a that's a huge point on the differentiation angle. Um, oh yeah, I mean, so well, I, wanted, I mean, think about it. Let's just say let's just say someone offers you know dry cleaning service and, and lunch. Well, if another one offers it, I'm sure it's going to be a similar product ish, right? But now all of a sudden, if you connect with your coworkers and you enjoy where you're working, I mean, that's a huge benefit and you get healthier. for the company. Yeah, and you get healthier. But I mean, it's like, you know, when, when you get in a new employee, the cost to train them and develop them, and um, it, it just, it costs so much that it's much easier just to retain good talent. What's, yeah, so on that note, I mean, just to switch it up a little bit, when you're talking about the talent at, at your company, what do you see as being a way that you retain people or, you know, leverage them in the right ways or, or inspire them to, to reach their maximum potential? Yeah. I mean, we have something called job leveling criteria, which is a nice way to kind of clearly set the tone of, Hey, if you do X, you get Y. Um, that's something we've added mm -hmm. recently, which I think I wish I had added it years before. Um, but I mean, I think for us is that, you know, we try and show that we're a growing company and that there's opportunities within the space. 
within our business. And that if you are, you know, and, and, you know, a, a, a top level performer, we will recognize that and we will elevate you in the, you know, managerial roles, new locations, things of that nature. And so when we look for new locations, what we're really thinking about is, you know, do we have key talent that needs an opportunity? And if we can't provide it to them, then we can't get upset if they have to leave, but we'd prefer to provide them that opportunity and stay within the family. That's our goal. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And do you, um, when we, when we think about the AMRAP mentality and how focused you are on that, is that something that you work with the team on to like have them be focused on one task at a time? I think we could probably do a better job of that. Um, now that you're bringing it up. I mean, I think I could do a better job of sitting down with our team and explaining the AMRAP mentality to all of our coaches. I think we do a good job on the office team and the management team. I think I could do a better job explaining more about the AMRAP mentality to all of our staff. Um, but that's definitely something I would like them to incorporate. I'd also like, you know, our team to realize that, you know, a lot of the times employees, they work underneath the premise of, you know, what can the company do for me, right? But I think if you could always follow the concept of what could I do for the company, I think long term, you'll always see reward. I, I do. Because even if, they, even if the company doesn't recognize it, then you could shift gears and go somewhere else. But if you develop that work ethic where you're always trying to do the most you can to prove value, I think regardless, long-term in life, you'll see a huge benefit from that. Rather than sitting back and, and having the company create opportunities for you, you should go out there and work so hard. They have to create opportunities because of how much you're working, you know, because of how great of a job you're doing. Right. Well, there's people that, what's the Michael Jordan quote, people that wish it would happen, people that hope it would happen, and people that make it happen. That's, that's as true as could be. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, oftentimes people look for ways to deflect, right? And we see this also in, in CrossFit for particular. People say, oh, the reason why I'm not getting great results is because of programming or because of this or because of that. But what they won't just do is take a hard look at themselves and say, hey, you know, maybe it's the track record that's been consistent for me. And maybe there's things that I need to do to improve or maybe I need to put in the work here elsewhere, right? But I think especially in CrossFit, people will oftentimes blame things that they say are outside of their control, like programming or, you know, the gym or the coaching, whatever instead of looking at things that are in their control, because then it starts putting a lot of the onus on themselves. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's, that's a good point. You, it's kind of a situation where you just have to take the ego out and, um, you know, understand um, the situation at large and, and do the best that you can. Um, and I'm going to actually do a quick pivot here um, to a few rapid fires before we, we wrap it up and, and let you go. Um, sure. So one thing that I've been dying to ask is, you know, I, I would imagine that you're, you've had some pretty insane workouts over the years. I'm, I wonder if there's a, if there's one that stands out to you as an insane workout that you either had to go through or um, a story from it. I think didn't that one of the games, didn't you like pass out midway through an event and keep going or something like that or any stories like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's one called the Iron Triathlon that was just a crazy work I did at CrossFit HQ one time, um, you know. But the one at Camp Pendleton, well, I, I I think probably the hardest, you know. Yes, I have, I have passed out on a run before, right in front of all my family and friends. Um, that was very traumatic. It was a hard race. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about what was in my control. I was thinking about things that were outside my control. I got overzealous, got a little too crazy. My mind was just in a different place and. I was too just overstimulated and I ended up just passed here on the floor 
um, ended up getting back up and performing okay. But, um, you know, and then you got Camp Pendleton, you're just in the middle of, you know, this 10 mile just up and down hill run. You start asking yourself, man, why am I doing this? It's just the craziest, hardest stuff I've ever done. And then you got to remind yourself, you know, you made a commitment to, to do this and you need to see it through because, you know, if you give up there, what else are you going to give up on, you know? And um, that's kind of the whole philosophy I try and take in all these hard workouts is, you know, if you make a commitment to doing it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it, right? But if you make a commitment, you need to follow through with it. And, um, you know, a few examples of that are, you know, passing out in 09, uh, you know, some stuff happened in 2011 where, you know, I'm on the Camp Pendleton. Um, and then from there, you know, the Iron Triathlon was a, you know, an hour long, just, just crazy workout. And um, the whole time he's got to remember like, hey, why am I doing this? And once you decide to commit to it, you got to finish it. Love that. Love that philosophy. And, and is there, you seem like someone that's, that's clearly very uh, intrinsically motivated, but are there any um, figures or people that you go to when you're having an unmotivated day or if you feel sluggish, like you go and you listen to someone talk or you watch their YouTube video or anything like that? I mean, I think just going into one of our gyms always motivates me, right? Um, I think going into one of our gyms where you surround yourself with like-minded individuals, even if you're feeling a little bit sluggish that day, I think it's a good way to get you inspired and motivated. Um, early on, I had a little bit more of a go switch when I'm by myself now because of where I'm at in my life and just the shift. Um, I need to have a little bit more of people surrounding me to kind of take me to that next level. And that's what I try and do. Got it. Okay. Um, well, for anyone listening too, if you're, if you are feeling a little sluggish, um, Jason's got a great Instagram and, and YouTube page where he talks about some of this stuff too, and, and can help fire you up. Um, so another question that we had, and this was, was sourced from the audience too, was what are you sure. the mo what are you the most proud of across all of the different accomplishments that that you've achieved, and and it could be business related or fitness or family or, or whatever you kind of think of. Um, I think for me, you know, yeah, building a business was cool. Uh, winning the CrossFit Games was cool. I'd probably say the way that my family and I, I'm not going to take full credit for this at all. Um, the way that my entire family has really embraced Ava's diagnosis and is trying to take this negative and turn it into a positive. I would say that's what I'm most proud of as a family. You know, my wife stepping up, uh, you know, never doubting herself, just getting after it. You know, uh, my entire family just being so supportive and being the system that we need to be successful. Um, you know, there's, there's no prouder moment than me than on March 29th being able to go to Mexico with the entire family and celebrate Ava finishing treatment because it's a representation of not only my wife and I, um, but my entire family stepping up big. You know, my mom and dad watching my son, my mother-in-law taking care of my daughter, um, you know, my, my in-laws doing their thing. I mean, it, it's, it's huge. That's what I'm yeah, most proud of is probably, you know what I mean? It, it's, and to be able to just get this perspective on life that's going to change us for the rest of our lives. You know, my wife and I, I mean, shoot, we weren't even 30 before my daughter was diagnosed. And I can only imagine that for the rest of our lives, we'll just change the way we approach every single situation. And we're going to be able to stand behind something. You know, before I used to donate to all different types of charities because everything's great. But now with my daughter having cancer, you know, it's given us a path forward and one thing to focus on, which is, um, which is nice. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And I, I, I think part of, 
it sounds like what helped was the idea of positive thought and sticking to that and having that both internally, but then also sharing it with the family and, and being positive through that situation. Are there any, are there any tips that you've used or just thoughts on generally on positive thinking um, or that you've used like in a tough situation to help kind of turn your brain around and get you back in, in the right mood and get your energy levels up and things like that? Well, I mean, I think it's something you need to train, right? I mean, I saw a sports psychologist for many years and talked about positive self-talk, taking a negative thought and reverting it into a positive one. Um, and it's not something that could just happen overnight. And I think for anybody who's listening who wants to try and train this a great way, not the only way, but a great way is through fitness and exercise, right? When you're going through a hard workout and your brain is saying, oh, I can't breathe or this and that, trying to take that negative thought and revert it to a positive one, like focus on technique or whatever it may be. And if you can continue to do this on a daily basis, you know, through your workouts, all of a sudden what you'll see is that when a life challenge hits you, your mind will automatically revert to a positive self-talk versus identifying with the negative and focusing on that. So that's what my recommendation would be for everybody. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think it's wherever your, your mind puts out there, whatever you're focused on, that's what, what turns into reality. So if you're focused on, man, I'm so tired, man, we have the worst luck. I can't believe this is happening to me. Things are only going to get worse. But if you, if you find the, the good in every situation or find something that can propel you forward, um, the mindset can, can really change your life. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if my mindset would have been different had my daughter not been in a situation where, you know, she'll hit the end of her treatment in a month or two. Um, and so I don't claim to know what it feels like to have a child with a terminal. I mean, you know, hers, I don't know what it would be like to know that or to have a child pass away from something. I don't know what that feels like. What I do know is that in our particular situation, just being aware of, of if in life, you know, you're going to have friends and family going to go through many different things from losing a child to having cancer to, uh, to breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. And I think as a society, as a group, we need to elevate each other and not judge each other for how they're reacting to it. Meaning, like, for me, having our daughter get cancer was the worst thing that's ever happened to us. But who's to say that that's worse than my good friend losing their job? Because to them, that was the worst thing that's ever happened to them, right? And so it's not a, it's not a battle on whose is better or worse. It's just a way to elevate each other and to try and remain positive through adversity, whatever that may be. I think that's really important, regardless of what's happening in someone's life. Yeah, man. I mean, if that were to have, you know, a few takeaways from what we've been talking about so far, uh, you know, one of the main ones would be just a sense of a community, whether it's coming through your family, through your mentors, through the surrounding friends that you have, your support group, and then just other people that, you know, randomly that you're meeting through different scenarios that you're all trying to boost each other up versus, you know, I, my boss has a saying where there's two ways to have the tallest building in a city. You can either, you know, knock everyone else's building down or you can build up the highest tower. Um, and so I feel like, you know, focusing on the ladder and, and helping everyone else out is, is, you know, a key focus of yours. At least that's what I took away. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I'd like to think so too. You know, I'd like to think that, you know, um, you don't need to get to the top by screwing people over and you could, you could do it by building a community. I, I really believe that. Um, but you've got to work hard. <laughs> no one's going to, nothing's going to be given to you. That's it. And all right. So two more, two more questions for you and then we'll let you go. Uh, the second to last one is if I were someone that say I hadn't worked out in a year and I say, Hey, Jason, you know, I want to get in better shape. 
you know, what's one tip, whether it be a simple workout that I should focus on or, you know, a dietary thing or whatever it may be, just one, one key that can maybe jumpstart me to a, a little bit of a healthier life. I would say to start slow. That's what I would say. I would say don't, you know, just take a step back. And if you really want it, then tomorrow just go on a 10-minute walk. That's it. And then do that for a week or two. And then add, 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 right, to a 10-minute workout, et cetera. One of the biggest problems we see is people get inspired, but they try and do too much too quick. They try and eat right and train hard, and all of a sudden they do it for about a month, and then boom, they burn out. You know, fitness the life is, is for life. It's not something that you want to do for a week or a month or whatever. And so my recommendation would be tomorrow, just start on a 10-minute walk. That's it. Do that for a little bit until you feel like you've kind of mentally established a good position and then step it up, step it up, step it up, but be slow with it. Because again, you know, fitness is kind of like this destined horizon, right? I mean, we're not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be fit until I'm 90. And so it doesn't, we don't need to start off immediately at a hundred miles an hour. We can start off at 10 because I've just found that people are much more consistent with it when they start off at 10 and then slowly work their way up. That's it, man. Fitness is for life. And I mean, the wiser words have never been said. Um, so the last thing here for you is just where can we find you on social media? Any other things that you have coming up? I know you mentioned the, the Avis Kitchen event, um, but anything else, man, where can we find you? Yeah, I mean, I think Jason Kleepa on Instagram is a great location. JasonKleepa.com uh, has upcoming events that I'll be doing and different talks. And uh, just stay tuned on there. Those are great, those are great avenues. And then YouTube, um, Jason Kleepa on YouTube. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you. We're, we're seeing you uh, much more frequently on social media, which I love. And I appreciate you being so generous with your time sharing this advice with everyone. Um, best of luck next week heading to New York with Gary V. And um, uh, hopefully we can talk in soon. Sounds good. Thank you very much. That wraps up my interview with Jason Kalipa. Wanted to share a few things I took away from that, guys. So it's funny that this week uh, I have actually been talking to myself and repeating AMRAP mentality, AMRAP mentality. Uh, there was one day earlier that, you know, I'd, I needed to get done, uh, get 18,000 things done or so I thought, when really if I just got three or five important tasks, I'd be in the clear. But I kind of half-assed a bunch of different things and just wasn't prioritizing and executing and, and wasn't focusing. So thinking about Jason's AMRAP mentality really helped me out there. Um, so that's number one. I love when he says, um, you know, fitness is, is a journey throughout life. It's so true, you know. It's fitness is for life. So if you're trying to lose weight or, you know, gain muscle or get better or get more flexible or whatever it is, you know, you don't need to do it all in one day. You know, it's just consistent action over time. Um, and then I love move fast, breathe slow. It's a great analogy for life. Just, hey, you want to get things done in the micro really quickly, but have patience, be cool, be calm. Thought Jason, Jason was truly one of my favorite interviews that I've done. Loved it. Please, please check him out on social media, YouTube, Instagram, wherever you can find him. Check out his new book coming up. And please, if you saw any value in this interview, hit me up with a share, with a subscribe, with a five-star rating. Hit me up on my blog. Email me. Go to TomLamo.com. Until the next episode, out.